What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. Ethan's second show here with me tonight um, as our new co-host. Excited to have him on. Just a little rundown of what we're going to be getting in tonight with you guys is we're going to be going over a little bit of what's happening with the name, image, and likeness bill that's being passed around, um, that's been passed in a lot of states already um, when it comes to collegiate players being able to market themselves and make money for themselves while they're in college and get paid ultimately. Um, and then Ethan's going to throw us a little bit of a curveball, a little bit of fun, just, you know, kind of have fun with it a little bit at the end here as well. I'm not going to give it away quite yet. Uh, I want Ethan to, you know, kind of blast in, see what you guys think, you know, maybe halfway through the show or towards the end. So you guys keep an eye out for that. While you're here, be able to check out the bottom ticker down there where it has all of our sponsors for the Unwrapped Sports Network, rxhemp.com. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream. You get 10% off with every purchase when you use code um, I think it's um, US, it's RxHemp, that's USN or, or something like that. You'll see it there on the ticker. Um, also, head over to mybookie.ag. It's our gambling website that we are partnered with and use code USM100 for double your first deposit. Guys, there's all kinds of stuff going on right now. Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, and basketball. Baseball just passed, um, I think, the, the third um, uh, part of their season, so they're getting into it as well. And then, you know, after that, college baseball is still going on too. And then, you know, we'll be getting into future season, looking at future bets for the college football season, as well as the NFL season. And then, of course, the Olympics. Um, that'll be something to, you know, really express and, you know, get into if you're a gambling person like myself. Um, and then, um, you know, that, that those are our two big ones that we're going to start off here with. And later in the show, we'll get into our Patreon and our Unwrapped Sports Network shop as well. Show you guys a, a few of the memorabilia items that we have going on or um, some of the apparel and, you know, merchandise that you can buy for your favorite Unwrapped Sports Network shows. Um, much like I'm drinking right now, guys, an Unwrapped Sports coffee mug, you can get something very similar to this on our website that I'll be able to show you later. But without further ado, um, go ahead, Ethan, you know, tell the people how you're doing, anything new going on in life. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Uh, I recorded with Creating Madness earlier. Go check that out with Derek Fountaine. He is a Mississippi State forward. Episode should be up probably around 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern tonight. And obviously Saturday Night Standouts. And then I believe a week from tomorrow, actually, is episode 100 of NFL Deep Dive. So we're going to try and do something big for that. I'll talk with Perry about that as soon as he's off of work. Yeah, if you guys haven't noticed, uh, our guy Ethan here is an absolute grinder when it comes to the network and all the content that he's able to produce. It's amazing. I'm so glad that he's here with me, you know, taking over for Sam. I, I know you guys can see the the graphic, the logo in the background says Saturday standouts with Caleb and Sam. We're going to be working on getting that change, get Ethan's name in there or, or, you know, kind of just rework it somehow, some way um, to show what's going on. But um, without further ado, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into, you know, what's actually happening in the college sphere right now. And what we're going to be talking about here is, um, name, image, and likeness. So that has been something that has been, you know, very prevalent um, amongst all college football fans, college football analysts, college football people who are within the building of the NCAA as well. It's been a huge topic of conversation here as of late, and there's a lot going on with it. But before we dig deeper into this and we kind of break down a timeline for you guys, I want to get to your initial thoughts, Ethan, on what you think this is going to do for college athletes, and do you think it's going to hurt? college football or, or, you know, make it better in a way? I think it 100% makes it better. There are going to be those people that take advantage of it for sure. There are going to be those scandals. That's the same with every single little thing. But what can you do about it? There's always going to be scandals. There's always going to be people paying. That's going to be a thing in college sports no matter what. In reality, <laughs> it's a great thing. And I believe one of the Supreme Court justices said it best. This happened in any other industry in America. It's slavery. So there you go. This they're finally writing a wrong. Yeah, and the NCAA has been kind of dogged on this for a while now um, about num numerous amounts of decisions that they've decided to go and, and do. This being perhaps one of the biggest one. Um, one of our former you know unwrapped sports colleagues here, Alex, jumping in saying Christian has requested. I let y'all know he won a fantasy championship this year or this last year, uh, Christian has been on Twitter all day, just dogging us for, you know, him winning a championship and how crappy our teams are and everything. So that's where that's coming in. But um, yeah, so this has been something that's been, you know, heavily on the minds of a lot of people. 
Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and read off of, you know, an article that I'm getting off of ESPN right now for you guys. Um, go through a little bit of timeline and how we got here up to this point. Um, on September 30th in 2019, um, California passes a legislation um, by their senator, Nancy Skinner, um, that starting in 2023, they were going to prohibit schools from punishing athletes who accept endorsement money while in college. That kind of got the ball rolling here in, in the talks for name, image, likeness talks when it came to the NCAA. Um, in October of that same year, in 2019, Board of Governors agrees unanimously that it is time to modernize its name, image, and likeness rules. Board directs all three NCAA divisions to make rules by January of 2021, which is obviously already passed. In April of last year, 2020, um, there is a group appointed by the NCAA, um, and they laid out suggestions for how Division One should change its rules, including details about the opportunities, restrictions for future athlete deals. Um, they proposed these changes in November of 2020, um, which is obviously much later than April. Um, June 12th, Florida passes a state law saying that they could pay players and, you know, of July 1st, 2021. So this year, um, July 22nd, last year, uh, Mark Emmerich, the NCAA president, who is not a huge, um, people aren't a huge fan of him. You know, people don't like Mark Emmerich, don't like how he runs things. Pretty much looking like NCAA is going into the ground up at this point that we're at now, um, just because of everything that has unfolded from this. Um, he repeats a request for congressional help in creating a federal name, image, likeness law while appearing at a Senate hearing in Washington, D.C. Um, August of last year, a group of Pac-12 football players threatens to boycott the season while sharing a list of demands that included giving players a share of athletic department revenue. Um, similar group of national stars formed a week later and stated its intent to form a college football's players association in the future, much like we see with the NBA and WNBA and NFL there's all these players associations. So with this happening in college, it's it's inevitable at this point that there is going to be name image likeness. Players are going to get paid for, you know, marketing themselves, branding themselves, putting themselves out there, advertising for other companies, things of that nature. That's inevitable at this point. So we're starting to see you're going to have to have a coalition of some sort to be able to control that. September of 2020. Um, representatives Anthony Gonzalez, um, Republican out of Ohio, and Emmanuel Cleaver, the Democrat out of Missouri, introduced a federal bill that would allow for NIL deals with some restrictions in hopes of keeping endorsements with or endorsements from disrupting the recruiting process, because that's obviously a concern. Um, you know, certain schools can pay more money to get you on their campus. That's obvious. Um, you know, you, you look at the Alabamas of the world, Clemson's of the world, they can throw money on top of money on top of money at these kids and that's an obvious recruiting win so there is you know kind of the balance here from you know ohio and and missouri teams like well we might not be able to do that so you know there's a little bit of a disruption there december of last year um republican out of mississippi senator roger wicker introduced federal legislation that would allow some nil deals and also create an antitrust exemption that would protect the ncaa from some types of future lawsuits um, and then December of last year, Supreme Court agreed to hear the NCAA's appeal of federal judges ruling in the Alston versus NCAA antitrust lawsuit. Um, while not directly related to the NIL rules, the Supreme Court's decision in this case could impact how much control the NCAA has in defining amateurism in the future. December of last year as well, um, New Jersey and Connecticut introduced legislation calling for a wide reaching overhaul of NCAA rules as a whole. Now we're into 2021 here in January. This is where things really start to heat up as we're in the off season of football. Um, you know, obviously that's when all this is really going to start happening. Um, the NCAA Division One Council um, decides to indefinitely delay its vote on name, image, and likeness rules, um, citing concerns prompted by a letter from the Department of Justice related to the possible antitrust implications of changing its rules. Emirate, em, excuse me, Emmert, the NCAA president, of course, said he was frustrated and disappointed by the delay because this is actually something that he's trying to push now because he's his name has been slandered over and over again for not doing this. Now he's trying to fix it. Um, March of 13, uh, Supreme Court heard oral, oral arguments in the Austin versus NCAA antitrust. April, um, so we're coming up on, on current times here. Um, NCAA President Mark Emmert met with the three men's basketball players trying to raise awareness using the hashtag not NCAA property. We all saw that unfold in you know the ncaa tournament and all of that so if you paid attention to the ncaa tournament when it came to basketball you're able to see that there were big name players out there 
who um, you know stood out, and, you know took a took a stake um, for what they deserve, and that's that's where we're here and here in um, April, right after the March Madness was over. So um, they the players asked the NCAA to adopt a temporary blanket waiver that would allow all athletes to make money from endorsement deals next school year, while more permanent decisions take shape. Then in June, leading right up to where we are now, just about. Um, six conference heads, including ACC, SEC, Pac-12 leaders, propose a new plan. A propose a new plan that would make individual schools responsible for creating their own NIL um, policies. So you've kind of seen that with Florida State coming out and being one of the first teams or schools to kind of promote this. Um, you know what they're going to do. Already hiring a, a marketing firm to be able to help with the transition and help you know the players be able to do what they're supposed to do to get to the point that they want to be at. Um, so that's kind of what's going on leading up till now. And then um, as of most recently, we have seen things, um, you know, take another step ahead and the latest in what's going on. Um, the likelihood that a federal law making one clear set of rules for name, image and likeness will come to fruition in the near future seemed to shrink considerably in June as members of Congress have settled into a partisan divide about the scope of needed reform. Obviously, this is pot political when it comes to the NCAA, much like it is you know, in, in regular life, you know, bipartisan disagreements, that's going to be a problem. And that honestly just decreases the chances of something happening because there's not an agreement on it. Um, Senate committee held a six hearing on college sport, June 17th, two hour discussion. Um, safe to assume that no bill would be put to vote at before state name, image and likeness are scheduled to go into effect at the start of July. So these states that have already agreed to pay their players or allow their schools to or allow the players at these schools in these particular states go out and find work and make money off of their name, image, and likeness. Um, those certain states, those players can do it. So that creates kind of a rift there when it comes to recruiting as well. Um, since there's no set singular guideline at this moment for it to happen, but those states that did pass those bills are allowing, and the NCAA is allowing them to make money off of their name. Um, it, and then it goes on and on. You know, there's talk about uh, proposed bills that was just passed as well when it came to um, academics for these athletes as well. You meet certain criteria, then it, it makes it easier for you to be on this level. Um, but just going off of that. All right. What are we thinking at this point? Do we see eventually there being one set standard of rules or policies or laws from the NCAA granting all teams name image likeness or do we not and if you if you don't or if you do just you know kind of expand on that and why Ethan? i think that eventually i think everyone's allowed to make money, name engine and likeness you're allowed to create your brand use your brand you're allowed to make the deals with companies where they pay you for events as long as it doesn't cross with what the ncaa has you doing i think at some point though if you end up doing anything using your school's colors, school's going to take a blank percentage of that, and they're going to say, well, guess what? You're using our – your name and our name are alike and combined. So we get X percent. We get – I mean, probably my guess is going to be they're going to BS it all the way up to eventually 50%, anything using that, unless they just say sign Which ball. I think – which I think we, we have seen this. Was it Georgia that might have passed – yeah. their law and it said that a portion of whatever the athlete makes goes back into the athletic department right i think that's stupid if someone makes all right here here's a million dollar shoe deal you're going to appear in this commercial you're going to come to this event school doesn't deserve any of that i'm sorry if they don't say rep if it's like blank player from blank high school like the fact that college basketball players are leaving for an overtime league and going overseas they want money as long as they can get to that second contract in the big leagues and they can actually make it and they have that skill, they're good. They just need to make it to that second contract. They're making bank. Even on that first contract, a million dollars ain't nothing to laugh at. If you're able to make a million dollars in one year, you invest that wisely, you never need to work again. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Um, I do understand where they're kind of coming from when, you, when you're talking about and when you brought up is, you know, if you're using the school's logo, the school's, right colors or, or whatever i can I mean, understand that maybe that. a little bit of, of them taking a portion of those proceeds i mean you look at the nfl and you know when it comes to jersey sales like you, you like for instance dalvin cook in, in minnesota you know like you buy a dalvin cook jerseys not all that money goes to to fanatics the nfl teams are obviously paid 
a portion of those proceeds because it's using their logo, their copyright, whatever, and, and whatever else. But the player sees none of that money. The player will never see any of that money from a sale of one of their jerseys. So, I mean, that's kind of robbery there as well. But, you know, when you look at it from this standpoint, it makes sense ultimately. You know, like if you're going to be profiting, especially at a rate, like say you're like Devontae Smith last year, right? And you go and do a commercial for the local Toyota dealership and you're, you're, they're going to pay you, you know, 500 grand just to do yeah. this one commercial, just to do this one commercial. Cause they'll, they're going to think, Oh, we're going to sell all these vehicles. We're going to make over that amount of money and, you know, double our return or, or whatever. Yeah. And they, they say, Devonte Smith here, here's 500 grand. We need you here on this day. Shoot this commercial. We'll need you in your, your national championship, Alabama, Jersey, um, this, that, and the other, he's going to show up. And that's just one, one thing, half a, half a mil, you know, for him to be able to go do. So of course that's going to accumulate the more and more stuff you do. But I think the biggest aspect of this that is going to come out of it is, is it going to work? I don't know. Um, You know, there are going to be players out there that can, you know, use it to their advantage and take advantage of that situation. Most likely it's going to be those players who are the big names. I mean, you go back in, in time and look at some of the guys who could have been in the most profitable players in college football, particularly, you look at guys like Johnny Manziel, um, Vince right. Young. Um, Manziel, Reggie, Manziel made a hell of a lot of money, whether he's going to admit it or not. Right, whether, whether, whether it was whether it was legal or not, he still was. But you get what I'm saying, right? If it was legal, if, if that man would have made so legal, much money. If it was legal, he'd have his own strip club like Floyd Mayweather does. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see what occurs once this all does passes. One of the things that I'm biggest on and happy about is, is with this happening is that these players that don't necessarily get all the playing time and they've got all these other things that they do on the side. I mean, we've seen guys who are artists who, who paint, draw um, guys who, who are really good at music, who play instruments extremely well, and they're not even allowed to promote their work that they do on their own Instagram pages because it's, it's against the NCAA rules because you're promoting yourself and you're not allowed to do that. So then it's automatically taken down and then they reach out and they're like, you can't do this. So I think that's the biggest help here is for those people, those players to be able to get their names out there doing what they love to do. That will create other opportunities for them. If that sport and particularly football, what we're talking about now doesn't work out for them. You know what they can also do? They can go do a football camp. If you get, like, freshman who was a three-star, can go, like, made it out of, like, a crap neighborhood in, like, crappy little Arkansas, crappy part of Chicago, crappy whatever. They can just go back to their hometown, set up a football camp, charge $20. They're able to make money be his blank player name, whatever. Yeah, and I didn't even think about that, and that's just another way. You know, like it's another way. There's so many different avenues that you can take. Um, but, you know, going from there, you know, we've explained our opinions on on the nature of everything. Um, do you What do you think this will ultimately do for the NCAA as a whole organization? Do you think that this could be a crumbling point because of all of the yeah, things sure. they've got, <laughs> that you have gotten wrong? Or do you think that this might be able to hold them in place? I think this could either boost them or crumble them. Because if there ends up being five scandals, like that first year makes X player for basketball $10 million plus the shoe deal. Duke helps, new coach at Duke helps them with the shoe deal. Alabama gets the sponsorships to pay the players to go to Alabama. If they end up having these types of scandals, it crumbles the NCAA and makes them say, see, this is what happens when this happens. Or it could be a lot of players getting the boost they need economically, being able to focus on instead of working a part of a nine to five job, they can focus on school, get their degree, play the sport they love and make a little extra money and send to their family. Like there's so many good and bad outcomes that could happen from this. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's either. Not, it's hit or miss. Right? That's what Ben's yep. afraid of. Yep. That's exactly how I was going to put it. It's hit or miss. You know, you, you, if you're the NCAA, this is either a hit or you're going to drown. You know, like this is right. this is your last chance before it becomes each conference and their commissioner of each conference 
takes over for their individual conference. And then who knows what happens with college football? You know, like then who knows what, what direction college football goes into? Cause right. I do think there needs to be a governing, a governing head to the snake as a whole, but does that governing head need to be, you know, just one sole right. enterprise like the NCAA? Not necessarily. I mean, you look at professional leagues and that's, that looks like where we're heading in, in college sports as a whole amateurism is gone. At this point, you know, like where we're headed, so for a while. you're gonna have to create. You're gonna have to create all kinds of different, uh, like a players' association. You're gonna have to have an executive organization. You're gonna have to have all kinds of different, you know, groups of things going on to be able to work together. So I think if the NCAA, I think as a whole, that's probably what's most likely gonna have to happen for this to be successful. And if it doesn't happen, then that'll create a crumbling effect and it just is not going to work and the NCAA will go down in its own fire. You there, Ethan? Did we lose you? Like, they're going to make it work. Like, because other... Watch what happens. Overtime creates a football league next because the basketball league goes so successful. If they have even more players join that, it works out. They can make a football league. All they need is four teams of top players, and you can switch the team around every X amount. That's per, like that's enough. I think if you have the top prospects playing against each other head-to-head for four years, three years, that should be enough to get them to the NFL. So potentially I could see overtime or like a Nike, Adidas, like funding these types of – making a miniature league for all these high schoolers and developmental for the NFL. Right, and they already kind of do that. I mean, you see the the uh, Nike Elite Eleven camps, the Under Armour All American Games. You know, all this goes on, and these are large organizations that are able to put these things on to be able to showcase these athletes. So, at some point, if the NCAA just doesn't do this the right way, you can see these large organizations come in and take over because they've already got a foot in the door ultimately. Yeah. And that'll lead us to, um, you know, what comes next? There, there's a whole lot that needs to be hashed out. Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, like we talked about with the college football playoff last week, on uh, how there's a lot of moving parts that need to be discussed. Same thing here um, in May or June. So, you know, right here where we're at, um, Spring Kurt heard, heard, heard uh, excuse me, oral arguments, and let's see where we're at now. July. Um, July 1st, um, state laws are scheduled to begin to go into effect. Um, so the states who put into effect those laws allowing players to you know, be compensated for what they do, um, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, New Mexico, Texas, um, are going to be able to start accepting endorsement deals as of July 1st coming up um, here very soon. NCAA might file a lawsuit against the states before. Um, so keep an eye out for that because that is something that is coming up here very soon. We've got a week left in June. And that's it before we, we transfer over to July. So keep an eye out for that um, and ask a judge. And they're going to be asking a judge for an injunction. And that, if granted, could post, postpone the law's enforcement when it when it comes to these states in particular. Um, looking at where we're at now, June 22nd, June 23rd, so yesterday and today, NCAA's Division One Council is scheduled to meet to discuss multiple options for changing the association's rules that govern NIL activity. So these are the big conversations that are happening at this moment during these two last two days today and yesterday that are going to be really a pavement for moving forward with the NIL bill. And then on June 28th, five days from now, the division one council has reserved another day to meet and are most likely to reach a decision on if and how to change the NCAA's rules out the onset out the outset of the NIL era. So this is going to happen. Um, it's going to happen. NCAA is trying to get it right. They're making moves to be able to get it right. Let's hope they do get it right, because if not, I, states are going to start taking their own, you know, advantage of this situation to be able to put and bring the best talent to their particular things. That's why you see on July 1st, they might try and enact a certain, you know, lawsuit against this to be able to stop it or, you know, put it on hold for a little bit longer so that the NCAA has time to come up with one whole group of set rules and policies for the NIL moving forward in compensation of college student athletes. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Ethan? And where do you think we, we are headed? Do you think that I think that does get postponed or do you think well, that, I think, you know, I think it gets postponed for two weeks and then the government's going to say, listen, we're going to step in because we've had enough of your bullshit. 
So we're every single state's allowed to have it. No more one state, no more any of that crap. But I have a question for you, Caleb. What happens if all the five stars and all these players just go sign a deal with Nike for millions of dollars? Is the NCAA going to say, all right, uh, we're not going to let these 30, the top 30 players of the class of 2021 play because they took millions of dollars? What, what are they going to uh, do if all these yeah, players are making money and flaunting it and saying, hey, we made this. What are you going to do? You're not going to kick them out. They're your future. Well, yeah, players, that's true. If all the players band together. I see why they don't just say screw the NCAA at this point. Like, come on. Yeah, but I think that's where the the July first deadline comes in because if the NCAA hasn't set forth the whole thing by then, um, or you know hasn't come to a conclusion quite yet on it, I mean it's been in talk for years now. Um, so they they should be almost there at that point. So I think the July first deadline really is what prohibits that from happening because. At that point, you know, kids are on campus. You know, kids are kids are going to start doing this July first. That's when these states have enacted their their laws or bills or whatever you want to call it for these students to make money off of themselves, off their name, image, and likeness. So, if I'm Under Armour, I'm sending out my marketing executives DMing each of these kids. Call me at twelve oh one a.m. and we are going to. I have a contract for you to sign virtually. You're gonna make millions. I'm under yeah, I mean, it, it's company. as simple as, as as emailing a PDF and you sign it like you're signing for a job. You know, like that's as simple as this whole process can be. And if they, I mean, this next week is gonna be very interesting to see how it unfolds. I mean, really, ultimately, the time between June 28th and July 1st, those three that three day window is gonna be absolutely huge um, for the NCAA to to make moves that they need to make to either try and delay it if that's what they want to do because they're not ready or just, you know, say, you know what, F it, you know, let, let those particular states do it while we try and figure it out. And, you know, whatever comes out of that, so be it. I don't think it's necessarily a huge deal for the 2021 class, but if this thing goes any longer than, than a a whole nother year into the next recruiting process for 2022 kids, then that'll become a huge issue. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue for 2021 because, I don't think a lot of these kids were thinking about that. They don't necessarily know the timeline of the events that are going on. I mean, you think about it, they're high school kids. How much do we pay attention to shit when we're that age? You know, like, like, I mean, there's some kids that obviously do, but I mean, majority of us don't really give a fuck, excuse my language, but about shit like that that's going on until like, it's obvious that it's going to happen and we can get paid. So, I mean, I mean, for them, they probably don't even know all this is, I mean, I'm sure some pay attention. But majority, I would guess not, just based off of my knowledge of how I was when I was that age. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think it necessarily affects this year. Everybody already kind of had their minds made up of where they were going to go. Um, they've already signed, you know, that letter of intent. <coughs> excuse me to play for these teams. So unless you know, I mean, a transfer, you know, the transfer portal creates a whole nother sort of issues. So like, I can't even imagine what the NCAA is trying to do and figure out because there's so many things that could go wrong or could give, you know, a certain team advantage over others because of this. So the NCAA is really on a time crunch here to be able to do it. I don't think it's going to affect the 2021 class all that much, but if this thing goes any longer than say six months to a year, then you can start to see the fallout from that. Oh yeah, for sure. And what are your thoughts? Do you, do you, do you see it like to your own question? Do you see that? happening like you see it affecting the 2021 class or i mean to me i'm i'm i just feel as confused as anybody else on this whole situation if i'm I'm the players i want to make a stand if i'm all the seniors from last this past basketball season this past whatever i sit the tournament i say you didn't have it last year you're not having it this year screw you ncaa have fun making money with half of our players sitting out if I'm the yeah, player, I mean, that's, that, you cost them that much money. You give them the middle finger. Bye-bye. We're out. We're going to go play professional basketball overseas. We're going to go use our degrees that we had to earn and already do X amount of work and play basketball for minimal. Get out of here. Like, if I'm the players, as much as it sucks to see I as a fan, as much as I would have wanted to scream and rip their throats out of, like, their – Neck, like that's what they should have done if they want to make a stand. 
if you want that stand right but it's also hard it's also hard hard for these student athletes to do that because they are working to make it to the next level and they don't want to put themselves in jeopardy of right do that you miss games exclusive games you know games that are watched by millions of people people who don't even watch who want people who don't even watch college basketball, for instance, right. um, watch March Madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you want to, you want to put your name out there yeah, yeah, that's, that's as much as big, possible. That's such a big stand because you're costing I mean, NCAA that much money. And, and all the, like, it is, but uh, also when you think about right. it from that perspective, yeah, all these so, scouts, all these, all these NBA scouts, NFL scouts, whatever you're going to call it, they want to see you perform on the biggest stage possible. Right, they don't want to. They don't want to see you play against. You know, um, let me use for instance, you know, Florida State playing a D three basketball team. Like they don't care that you put up thirty two points, nine rebounds, and six assists against a D three school. They want right. to see you do that up against the best competition. So, like, it's a, it's a hard thing for them to be able to decide if that's the right move for them. Obviously, when you look at what the NBA, um, MLB you know, was able to do last year when, with all the uh, social injustices and, and everything like that, they are able to do that because they've already solidified themselves in, in the job that they have and what they do. So they're able to do that. They have associations to help them along the way. They're right. still going to get paid. So like, even if they sit out a game, I'm still getting paid. I signed this contract. I know the ins and outs. I've got lawyers, attorneys that look over this for me and let me know right. if you're going to, if you're going to make don't it. Sign a contract saying that I'm going to play every game for you and I'm not allowed to sit out. They don't sign that. They say, I'm going to represent the school. If a player wants to just quit on his team, like Kentucky had a player that did that. I'm not blaming him for right. doing it either, but like, right. And, hey. and a letter of intent is not the same as, as a contract. Like right. there, there's a difference between like, those two. Imagine if every single upperclassman sat out this past year like that entire tournament, and you had each team playing with six people, seven people because of, uh, you know, I forget what the word is because I'm blanking, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, unscholarship kids, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Like walk-ons or. Walk-ons, or thank you. Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. But, yeah, uh, what happens with that? Like, if they all do that, would you say that that could have potentially jolted this that much more forward? To the point where they would have had it done by end of May. Like, it would have sucked for the players. It would have sucked for the fans. But even more so, NCAA, I promise you, loses millions. Close to oh, billions. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely do. I mean, we saw it with COVID when they had to cancel the tournament. You know, like they, right. that, that March Madness tournament ultimately is the biggest money maker for the NCAA. We all know right. it. You know, TV, TV revenue is huge. Sales from tickets, sales from concessions, sales from memorabilia, out the roof when it comes to, you know, the NCAA tournament. And that's where the NCAA makes a large portion of their money. So it would definitely hurt them 10 times more than it would probably hurt yourself. But at the same time, it's hard to do that when you're a kid trying to make a name for yourself. That's the hardest part and aspect for me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave name image. <laughs> we'll leave name image and likeness at that. And we're going to jump into Ethan's proposed idea and topic of the night. So I'm going to let you take it away there, brother. All right. So if you're a five-star player from nowhere, Utah, are you going to go to BYU or Utah? Or are you going to go to USC, Oregon, Alabama, the major school, instead of your homegrown talent that's been recruiting you since day one in freshman year. You're going to go to Alabama because Nick Saban. (laughs) I'm proposing the idea. What if you could only play for the school that you lived the majority of your life in that state? Obviously, you could – like that's. I think that evens out the entire college football landscape, personally. Right there. So you're you're talking strictly in-state recruiting only. You could only go – In-state recruiting only. That that's okay. obviously not, not for JUCO. JUCO go wherever and then transfer there, but you're still using up two years of your eligibility. So I'm sorry, there's no four star going to JUCO just to be <laughs> at that. That like, if you're international, go wherever you want. I'm not gonna say go play college football in Canada or, or Mexico or Europe. That's obviously no. That's fine. But like, if you're born in Texas, you can go play for one of the Texas schools. But here's the question: 
if you're a five-star, are you going to Texas A&M? Is they, these schools are going to split up. And Baylor, they have Texas Tech. They have a lot of power five schools right there, not even going into the group of five. So the top talent isn't limited to one school. Only state that I see a problem is Georgia, and they still have Georgia Tech. If Georgia Tech's able to build something there, them and Georgia are having the best recruiting battles ever. Yeah. There's no like yeah, there's a lot of flaws with the system, but like if you look at it, what states are hard? Like Wisconsin? All right. How much of that how much high school talent comes out of Wisconsin? Not a whole lot. Wisconsin has to rely on their homegrown talent. Minnesota relies on homegrown Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State. They're gonna rely on those country boys up there. Which they do, which they do already. Which they already do. Michigan, Michigan State battles, they're gonna they're gonna actually be able to keep those guys in state. Ohio like they're gonna get their top guys for sure, but like if you're these three stars, are you really gonna go to where you're not the feature guy, or are you gonna go to Akron, Kent State? Are you gonna go to like those smaller schools just to be the guy on that group of five team? I don't know. What's your opinion? Uh, yeah, uh, Connie coming in here and you know just dogging me right off the bat. Appreciate it, Connie. Glad you can finally watch me on my show. Um, <laughs> Uh, let me change the banner here real quick. Let people know what we're talking about. Only in-state recruiting um, is what we're talking about, guys. Interesting stuff. Ethan brought it to my attention. I know there has been previous articles and stuff written about it. I know Ethan's actually wrote, written one himself. Um, I think he relayed the message to me that it was his first article that he has actually ever written. Or written, excuse me. Um, so it's a very interesting topic. Um, I'm I'm very interested with this because it. it I don't know if it would change or even out the landscape of college football as a whole. Um, it's an interesting thing because there's definitely some states that would, you know, benefit from this. And there's obviously some states that might not. Uh, you brought up Georgia and Georgia Tech and Georgia. Georgia obviously being a huge benefactor from that. But looking at, excuse me, what Georgia Tech has been able to do and build momentum here in these last couple of seasons with their new head coach moving right. over from the triple option into a, you know, more modern type of play calling, more type of, you know, modern play system, if you will, you know, they can start to make some noise there too. And we had talked about this prior to the show, Alabama specifically South or Alabama, excuse me, Georgia, specifically South Georgia is a hotbed for recruits. I mean, you look at guys always there coming out of there. It's, it's very small towns and these guys will go to these schools and if it's just strictly limited to, I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech are your main ones. There's obviously, you know, Georgia Southern, um, Georgia all these State. other Georgia State that that are there. Um, those schools are definitely going to prosper from it. You know, these these three stars um, that are there aren't going to be able to go anywhere else. And so Georgia Southern and Georgia State are going to be getting these three stars that they probably had no business getting in the first place. So um and those are three stars who knows about right. how many four stars or whatever else there are you you know right. that and recruiting then, landscape will change greatly um matt coming in says straight respect yeah. for connie caleb yeah. always has great shows i appreciate the love matt thank you brother even going into alabama obviously this you have alabama the big school right at the exact and auburn say, then you have auburn auburn always has been dogging at the alabama they're always on their heels They've beaten Alabama numerous times in the past decade. So I see no reason why Auburn doesn't steal a couple five-stars out of Alabama's back pocket. I see no re Obviously, transfer portal, you're able to go wherever you want, but, like, whatever. They right, and so if, we're, so if we're talking about hotbeds here, all right, let's go back to, to that conversation about hotbeds. So the hotbeds for recruiting Texas, in, general, Florida, in general now. Georgia. Right, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and – California, maybe, you know, right. like you, you could throw California in there. Right. But here's the thing, Florida, I'm a five-star at Florida. Let's assume UCF gets moved up to a power five conference in five years because they will probably. Which I mean, they, they are only up and coming at this point so that we can right. just go ahead and lump them into, I mean, I guess you could right. say the big four of Florida yeah. when it comes to you oh. are uh, Miami, Florida, Florida state and UCF now. Right. So you're a big time prospect. You have multiple schools to choose from. You're not only bet, not one school is going to dominate. Texas, they have five power five teams. If you're going to Cali, you have Cal, if Stanford, USC, UCLA. Like these, 
bigger hotbeds, they're able to like be spread out enough where I think it's fair enough. Illinois got. Oh, Illinois. I think it. I think it probably even makes it more fair um, exactly. when it comes to it, because those states. At that point, you know, there's point. other schools that that pull from you know South Florida, Miami area specifically. Uh, Alabama has been doing it for years. Clemson's now doing it. So those teams aren't going to be getting those players like like they used like they used to or right. are now. So that, that, that makes it very tough. interesting, and also it just it limits them to which school do I want to go to. You can see schools like speak just specifically speaking on Florida because that's where I am and that's my general knowledge of, of football as a whole that I'd have the most about. You look at the FIUs, FAUs, the USFs, the I mean, even you could even look at you know like yeah. HBCUs, like FAMU, start to get some of these kids that it's just going to spread the wealth around. I think it's uh, an amazing idea to think about. Do I necessarily think it's it's achievable? I don't know. It's no, it not at all. Fun. It's, not, it's just a like fun <laughs> idea to play around with. Yeah, it would be it would be extremely look, fun. If you look at that, then all I'll be honest. All right now, Northwestern beats Illinois in football, like recruit wise. But at the same time, we still have a lot of four stars, maybe a five star every couple of year. There, Illinois still gets one out of every four of them at least. Like that's not good, but listen. You're, if every if the talent's split up between schools, I think that makes the landscape so much better, so much different every year. And in Louisiana, right as of this past couple of years, after Burrow, University of Louisiana Lafayette is Louisiana's football school. I think that in reality, they will top LSU in the 2020 decade. So I wow. think those two schools are fighting for Louisiana recruits. Mississippi, yeah, old, I mean- old, not just going into Power Five, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are battling it out for the Mississippi recruits. Arkansas, Arkansas State, like first off, Arkansas doesn't have a lot of ballers for football, so that's fine. <laughs> for being hundred percent honest, and right. Anyway. So, so from there, and you're talking about, excuse me, you know, you said Arkansas doesn't have a lot of ballers. I mean, they they have one or like a few every once in a while that are ranked very right. high. Um, Looking at that, and you mentioning that brought into my head, what are the states or areas in particular that you could see, you know, benefiting from this, whether that's power five schools or non-power five schools in areas or states that will, you know, be decimated by a rule enacted as such? You know, I really think that all the small lightning up, baby, going for back to back. Stanley Cubs, let's go. I think that group of five teams dominate because, all right, we have two power fives and then we have us in blank state. Like, I'm not going to go in, I'm not going to name the state off the top of my head because I'm blanking on it. But if you go into like, what is it? Alabama, you got Troy, Auburn, Southern Alabama. I'm not going to go into the FCS ones because that's going to make me go deep into my head and I don't like using my head too much. So, <laughs> Troy and Southern Alabama. If you're the top four quarterbacks in the state, number one goes to Alabama or Auburn. Number two goes to the other one of those. Number right. three and four, they're still decent quarterbacks. Are you really going to go right. back up these guys until your senior year, potentially not even making it that far because of, you know, if they start off well, especially if you're Especially if you're in the same recruiting class. Exactly. That's unless, what I'm you saying. Red, unless, you re, unless you redshirt. And even but, then, next year's number one quarterback might go there too. So at that same point, the number three quarterback goes to Southern Alabama. Number four goes to Troy. These teams slowly rise up because they're developing these actually good players that just want to be that focus point of the offense or defense. Like if I'm the number two running back in the state and I see that they already got the number one last year, am I going to Auburn? Hell no. I'm going to Southern. (laughs) I'm going to one of these schools. As long as they have a good enough coaching staff and the system for you, you go there. Yeah, that's that's amazing that that could happen because you you build, you know, the level of opportunity and level of play at a school that is not known for that. That's amazing. You know, that's awesome. But looking at, let's say, geez, man, I don't even know which state to go to. We'll, we'll, we'll go to we'll go back to uh, Missouri or Arkansas. Um, you know, these teams 
that are here in the South or Midwest ish. Um, I think that hurt, that might hurt them the most, you know, like, really, I, I don't, I don't know particularly, but I would, I would assume so. Or, I mean, you look at the Northeast, for instance, Northeast football is not the level of play that South football is or West coast football is. And, you know, there's levels to each playing, you know, from each region or division or wherever you want to go. So like California is not quite, California is not quite, you know, the South, the Northeast is not quite California. And, you know, there's obvious regions where there are hotbeds of players that are better for some reason based off of certain circumstances. So um, it's confusing to me because I don't know if teams like a Missouri or in Arkansas. I mean, you have Arkansas state in Arkansas as well. You don't have anything much else in that Missouri. I don't even know if there's a Missouri state. I know there's a Missouri, like that's the only football team. So it might work well, but also at the same time, when going over and looking up at the Northeast, what are you stuck with if you're a Rutgers, a Syracuse? Well, here's the thing. Um, New Jersey has a lot of good high school football players. New York still, like, I'll go into state rankings in New York right now. Give me one moment. Like, let's go f- see this. New York football. They had two four-stars, and they had a total of 17 people ranked inside the top 150. There's still very many. Like, If you go into the top 1,000, there's enough players in New York that will be able to get signed to all the New York schools. If you like Buffalo's on the up and coming, like if you go into pretty much any type of like, if you want to go into Massachusetts, UMass, Boston college, like the four, they have enough talent in these States. And in reality, like part of it might be like, you have to start allowing more so movement every five to 10 years between FCS and FBS with the top FCF, like almost like this European soccer, top FCF teams, FCS teams move up, lowest FBS move down. And you just have so a lot I of- would say what intrigues me the most about this is what happens if, like, if this were to be a, a thing or a case at some point, what do you see happening when it comes to um, conferences, when it comes to playoff um, championships? things of that nature. Like what is the, how do you, cause obviously if you pit say an say an Alabama or a Florida state or a Florida or a Georgia against a, you know, like, I don't even know, like a, like a Michigan or like, like a, like a Missouri or an Arkansas or a Nebraska, you know, like, what happens then? You have to change a whole lot, wouldn't you? Not necessarily. I mean, if Nebraska is coaching, they'll to develop. Because when it comes to bowl season, when it comes to bowl season, there's a lot of crossover, right? So right. there, there's a lot of, well, yeah, a lot of things happening. And that you're still scheduling non-conference games. It's honestly going to just be like which state is the best, and I feel like that's going to create a whole bunch of new rivalries in conference. So, do at that point, would you think it would be better? to obviously still have your non-conference games. Um, But would you, would you realign conferences by region? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that you realign conferences every probably, you know what we'll say every eight years, every two full recruiting cycles of two incoming classes of freshmen to be out of there. So you could kind of group, Florida, Georgia, Bama, Louisiana, right. um, Mississippi, Mississippi, yeah. and, um, like, probably Carolinas, like, Carolinas, Tennessee. Yeah, and then you just put and like, maybe Texas. Yeah, like and maybe just, like the top school from each of those is like there's so many big ones, and then you keep going by second, third, then you just keep grouping. And bringing some FCS up and some FBS down. If FIU goes two and seven, and then FAMU goes twelve and zero and wins the FCS championship, you bring them up, you bring FIU down. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Like I would. That's say, a very. In- 
I'd try and uh, I'd love to try it out on NCAA 14, but that's gonna be a pain in my ass. I take Texas. Well, we we got we got a whole new one coming. I'm so excited for that, by the way. That's gonna be exciting. Oh my god! Once, once yeah. if, if he, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if EA screws it up, I promise you, <laughs> EA's headquarters will be on fire. <laughs> EA needs to get away from the game, anyway. EA, no, EA, <laughs> EA needs to get the hell out of there. <laughs> Oh yeah, baby. This is this has been a very interesting topic. Um, there's so many different ways you can go with it. You know, realigning conferences. Um, yeah, it, it's just the up and down of what can happen when it comes to in, in state recruiting. Um, that could change the whole landscape of college football. Um, maybe one day we will find out. That'll be interesting. Um, but anything else you want to you want to talk about before we go ahead and, and log off here, Ethan? I just want to go right into kind of Utah. Just because they do have three schools, Utah State, Utah, and okay. BYU. So who do you think actually does the best? Because I'm, they, they have 35 top, like, 250 players. So they have, what, Utah, BYU, and Utah State? Yep. Like, the top ones, obviously. I'm not sure where they go. Because Utah State had Jordan Love, BYU just had Zach Wilson, and Utah is in the Pac-12. So assuming that the conferences are like how they are right now, where do you go? If you're the number one quarterback in Utah, are you going to the Power Five? Or are you going to one of the two that just developed a quarterback to get taken in the first round of the NFL? Well, I first off, the first thing that pops into my mind here is the restrictions that BYU has on on not only their players, but their students as a whole. Um, that right, can yeah. prohibit that can prohibit, you know, potential top prospects from wanting to go there because they don't want to follow those rules. Um, and and they'll be kicked out. So I would think Utah and Utah state would probably be the most beneficiary teams in that state. But I also look at it from who has been the most successful out of their recent Utah BYU, you know, I mean, Utah state, obviously with, with Jordan love that that's a thing, right. But the two most successful teams out of there have been BYU and Utah. So I would say probably Utah and Utah State, just based off of what I mentioned earlier. But that's a very right. interesting, interesting thing. Right. Like, I'd love for this to be able to happen. Like, if I ever become commissioner of the NCAA, I will be more hated <laughs> for this because people will hate the fact that they aren't able to. But like, I think another point that this brings up: who can develop the most natural talent, coach-wise? Like, if you're can Nick Saban really do it? With, like, he's he obviously could, but, like, you know what I mean? Can blank coach do it without taking the – Well, I mean, there, there's certain coaches out there. So, you think of – Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, the first <laughs> – great, no, absolutely not. You think of the Nick Sabans. Um, you think of Jimbo Fishers. You think of um, guys who are really good at, you know, developing talent. Um, Mac Brown, UNC right now, really good at, at doing and developing players as well. Um, Kirby Smart, you maybe could even throw in there, but um, you know, there's the obvious answers. There are the obvious choices for that. The real question mark comes into the coaches who aren't well developed right. or aren't well developed in developing NFL talent. So then that could be a knock on your team as well. So like we were talking about with all these Florida schools, are you really going to go play for Willie Taggart at FAU? Who is not known for for developing players? Are you going to go to Texas that gets all the five stars and that puts one in the sixth round of the NFL draft? Right, that's an interesting thing, too. So if I'm the five-star in that scenario, I go to Texas A&M over them. I start considering Baylor Tech. Well, I mean, you look at at Tom Herman compared to Jimbo Fisher. Right. Is there really a question which you should play for? Exactly. And this would be a very fun scenario to watch play out. Yeah, it would be absolutely exciting. I think it would be electric for college football as a whole, no matter what team you are. It would be amazing to see happen. I, it's and, not and, feasible in my mind, but it's it's, yeah. it's a great thing to look at. We haven't even gone into like the high school aspect. Imagine how electrifying high school games are because you know that these are the kids. Like coaches aren't going out of state to find someone. 
they're saying, we're going to our local games. You're knowing that you're being watched from day one. In high I mean, could you, could you imagine having, you know, speaking of like just Florida, cause that's what I know. Like you got Willie Tagger, Dan Mullen, um, Gus Malzahn and Mike Norvell all at your football oh, like, game yeah. on a Friday night. Like, <laughs> exactly. That would make high school football so much better. That would make like that. I feel like would increase everything for college football, high school football, just because it emphasizes development and not just getting pure talent to the best schools. And there's no way to BS it. Like it's whatever state you lived in for the most part of your life. Like there's yeah, not a, unless you want to unless you want to throw away two years of your eligibility by going to a JUCO, <laughs> which yeah. sure if you're really wanting to do that to your eligibility, go right ahead, go do that and transfer to Clemson. Use your two years of eligibility. I don't care. Well, at that point, you could see JUCOs take off. So, exactly, I mean, that that's still that's still a win-win. Exactly, and then the small, college smaller, football. smaller schools build up and send that players to the NFL. I see that would that could be a potential huge win. NCAA, no, sign me to your board of directors right now. I'll be, eight, I'll be 18. Hire, hire everybody. Yeah. No, hire me and Caleb. Yeah, there you go. We, we got the we got the insights. We got everything laid out. We're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right, guys. Um, this is, you know, another great episode of Saturday Standouts. We got into some more serious talk early on when we were talking about name, image, and likeness when it comes to college sports as a whole specifically college football a little bit and, you know, more basketball once we got into the money maker that is the NCAA. And then, you know, at the end, we had a little bit more fun with it. We, we were talking about in-state recruiting only, which was something that was brought on by Ethan that I am, I was uh, shocked, like, to, to even, you know, hear about it because I, I had never thought about it, just in-state recruiting as, as a whole. So I was very excited to talk about that because it's a big thing. I am from Florida. I live in Florida. So, um, it, it's a real big thing here um, where Florida is, you know, perhaps the most talented group of, of you know, kids that come out of high school. Um, for the most part, it, it's been, you know, proven over and over again based off statistics and, and rankings and ratings and all of this that, you know, 247 Sports and all those guys do. Um, so that was very exciting to talk about. Um, you guys can follow me at CHS Noel right there next to my name on Twitter. Um, Ethan, you got any shout outs before we go ahead and log off? At Ethan underscore Carboni on Twitter. I post all my new articles, new podcasts on there. So He's a great follow, guys. Be sure to go follow Ethan. Be sure to follow myself at CHS Noel. Go follow at Saturday Standouts on Twitter as well. Um, we're going to start posting on there more. We've got to get some podcasts out there as well for you guys. Um, and I know you guys have been watching. Be sure to tune in. To those codes down there on the ticker, mybookie.ag. Use code USN100 for double your first deposit. RxHemp.com. Use RxHemp-USN for 10% off every single one of your purchase for all-natural CBD relief cream. And then head over to our USN shop. Go to teespring.com. Type in teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrap. Find all your merchandise. Also, go and head over to our Patreon, um, Unwrap's Patreon. It's an amazing thing we got going on. Support the people that you love the most here and love watching, aka us. Um, we've got a dollar tier, a five dollar tier, a ten dollar tier. Um, the dollar tier, you're just pretty much, you know, just supporting us however you can monthly with a dollar, which is amazing. We thank you guys for that. At the five dollar level, you kind of move up here. You get access to our twenty four seven Patreon only Discord chat, um, make discussions, talk sports, um, discuss daily gambling lines, which is probably the biggest thing that we have going on there. Make yourself some money for only $5 a month, fantasy sports and more there as well. And then at the $10 per month level, you get 20% off of, of, a, of a code to our unwrapped Teespring shop, which is amazing. And then you also get access to our 24 seven Patreon only discord chat that I mentioned earlier at that $10 level. You also get entered into a giveaway for a signed memorabilia item, whether that's a signed helmet, a signed Jersey or what be it um, pictures as well that you can get by just joining that $10 per month is amazing. I mean, you get tons of, you know, exposure there at the $10 level. You're entered into a, into a raffle to be able to win that signed memorabilia item. It's an amazing thing that we got going on at Unwrapped. 
Um, but with that being said, that's the last of, excuse me, our sponsors. And I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight to another edition of Saturday Standouts.